Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Woo! A couple of you guys doing well. Hey, my name's TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're so glad that you're with us this morning. We uh, started a series last week called Great Expectations, and uh, like I said last week, this series has really come out of a, a, an idea that came out of a book by a guy named of the, of the name of Andy Stanley. He wrote a book called How to Be Rich, and it absolutely blew my mind. And, and I said to myself, man, I, the principles that are out of this book are absolutely incredible. I want every Christ follower to hear and to know and to understand these principles. And so I decided, like, we're going to do a series on it. And so if you want to get more information, I encourage you to go get the book, read the book. Um, he does a great job of explaining it. I'm probably going to do a little bit better, but that's okay. And so if you want more information, you can go and you can listen to him. Um, and last week we started this series, and we are talking about some principles that are really important. I believe they're going to build principle upon principle upon principle. And so if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to go back, go to our website or go to our podcast and listen to the message because the, the things that we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks, they're going to build upon each other. And if we miss out on some of those things, we're not necessarily going to have the foundation completely of what we're going to need for this series to take full effect into our lives. And so let me just review a little bit. Last week, we, talked, we started talking about this idea of, of wealth, and we started talking about that there were two big things that we needed to know. One of them was good news, and one of them was bad news, and we said the good news for every single one of us out there is, is that you and I, the good news is for our lives is that we're rich. Like, we have more than enough. We saw some stats from uh, globalrich.com, and it said this, or .org, it said this. It said, if you make $33,000 a year, that you are in the top 1% of income earners in the entire world. Like, that is pretty amazing. That means that you are 99.99% better than everybody else when it comes to earning income. And then there was another stat that said, if you have a combined household income of over $80,000, you're in the top one-tenth of 1% of the world's population when it comes to wealth. And, and that, that statistic absolutely blew my mind. And so the good news is, for all of us, is that you and I, that we're, we're rich. Now the bad news is, is that we're rich. Because we have all of this stuff, because we have all this stuff going for us, it's, it's so easy for us to get dependent on our riches and not even realize what God wants us to do with that. And because we're so wealthy and we're so blessed, we have some challenges, and some of those challenges are, for us, it's hard for us to depend on God because it's so easy to depend on ourselves. It's hard for us to have right priorities because there's so many great things that can take up our time. Not bad things, good things, but aren't necessarily the right things in life. And then we talked about the fact that because God has blessed us so much uh, and because we're so wealthy, we have a responsibility to do great things with what God has given us. And so today, kind of building off of that, what I want to do is I want to talk about this idea that Jesus talked about, about the deceitfulness of riches. And this is a statement that Jesus actually made. And he said, listen, the deceitfulness of riches are a big problem for people that are doing really, really well in life. And he, it's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, and it's chapter 13. And he said this, he said, a sower went out and he started sowing seed. And it says that when the seed came up, it started growing. And it said at one point in one of the parables that the deceitfulness of, of riches choked out the growth that was happening. These, this plant that was starting to grow and it was starting to thrive. It says, man, the, the deceitfulness of these things came in and grew around it and choked out the life 
out of this plant. And, and what it's really saying is it's saying, that, man, that there's, there's things in life that can choke out the growth in our life if we allow them to. And, and, and I'll give you an example of that. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have ever gone to one of these pizza places where after you eat pizza, um, specifically if you have kids or you have nieces and nephews, where afterwards they have all kinds of games to play. Anybody ever been to one of those places like Chuck E. Cheese? It's like a, it's a kid favorite. Like, I still like going to Chuck E. Cheese. And, and you know, afterwards, they, they have all these games that you can play skeetball. Anybody ever in here ever played some skeetball? Come on, some skeetball champions out there. Well, you get some kids that are playing some skeetball, and the illusion of these things become really, really big. They're called tickets. Anybody, you know what I'm saying? Like, like everybody wants to earn some of these things. Like, we're doing whatever we can. And if your kids aren't very good, like, you, sometimes you've got to step in for them, right? Like, you've got you to gotta be like, let me show you how to roll this ball. And you're like, 100 points right there. Tickets start flowing out. And you think... You think if you get enough of these tickets as a kid, then you're going to go and get an awesome prize, don't you? Like, if you get enough of these, man, you're going to be cool, and you're going to be significant. And let me tell you something. You go and you play those games, and what you end up getting is, is one of these. Like, you spend all day, and you end up with, like, a laser finger pointer thing, like a whole pack of them. Like, you get four of these for 749 tickets. Like, this costs a buck fifty at Walmart, but you spent $79 to get this. Because you thought, man, if I can just get the laser pointer thing, like, I will be significant. I will have, I will have, uh, uh, I will be happy, man. I will, people will like me if I have these in my life. And we think, man, if I can just get the tickets, then I'm going to be happy. And what happens is, is, is we grow up and and we trade out these tickets for new tickets, don't we? We trade out for some new tickets and we think, man, if I get enough of these tickets, then I'm going to be able to get significance. I'm going to be able to get happiness. I'm going to be able to get substance and value of my life. And I'll trade these in to feel more secure, to feel more worthwhile, to feel more precious and valuable. And the problem is, is that these tickets and these tickets, they promise way more than they ever deliver, don't they? Like they promise so much in our lives, but yet at the end of the day, like we've lost this 20 minutes later. Or our kids have broken it or they swallowed it or whatever it may be, depending on their age. And we find out they buy these types of things, but at the end of the day, those types of things don't really add a ton of value to our lives. And so as we're talking about the deceitfulness of riches, um, I just want to kind of share with you a key thought, and that's this, is that the world wants you and I to serve money. The world wants us to serve money instead of serving God. In fact, Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6, 24. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. He said, you cannot serve both God and money. He says you can't serve both God and money. Je Notice that Jesus didn't say you can't serve like God and power. He didn't say you can't serve like God and, and uh, uh, your job. He didn't say like you can't serve God and the idea of, of maybe like the devil. Like you can't, you can't serve both those. He said no, what you cannot serve is both God and money. Now why in the world do you think that Jesus would say you can't serve both God and money? 
Like, why would he make that statement? And I think the reason that he made that statement is that he knew that money and things would be the number one competitor for our hearts. He knew that it would be the thing that we're constantly trading out for that, that place of significance, for that place of happiness, for that place of, of security in life, that, that, man, if we could just have that, then we would get those things. And this is what we fail to realize because money is such an attractive false god. Is that This is what money does. Money always promises what only God can provide in our lives. It always is promising way more than what it can provide, and, and, it, and it promises a lot of things, but there are two things in particular that it promises over and over and over again. And one of those is, is money promises us happiness. It's constantly uh, promising us that, man, if we get enough money, then we'll be happy in life. Man, if we get enough stuff, then we'll be happy. If I just get a little bit more in my stack, if I can just have a couple more bills in this stack, then, then I'm going to be happy. Man, if I can just go out and I can just buy the shoes that will match the dress, that will match the bracelet that I got 50% off, then I will be happy at that point. If I can just get the house with, with two uh, bathrooms and three bathrooms, then I'll be happy. Man, if I can just get a bigger car or a better car or a car with a sunroof, then I'll be happy. If I can just get my nails did every week, ladies, then I'll be happy. And let me just tell you something, ladies, I'm just going to tell you this right now. No man cares that you have your nails done. No man cares. Like, no dude is ever walking by and going, Woo, did you see the set of nails on that girl? You think those are real or that's that gel polish? Like, no dude is saying that. It's sad that I even know that. But nobody is saying that. The reality, though, is that it doesn't matter how much you have, only God can provide real joy in your life. We can constantly try substituting these things for happiness, but happiness is based on happenings in life. And so that happens, and then it's over, and that happiness is gone. And the very thing that we're looking for, the very significance that we're looking for, is found only through Jesus Christ. The second thing that, that money is constantly trying to promise us is security. It's constantly trying to promise us security and saying, man, if you have enough of this, eventually you'll feel secure, you'll feel significant. Like, man, if I make twice as much as what I make, then, then I'll finally be secure. If I can pay off all of my credit cards, then finally I'll be secure in life. But this is what I know, and, and maybe some of you experience it. Man, you can get as much money as you want, but all of a sudden you get sick, and that money can't cure you, can it? Because it doesn't provide true security. It makes you feel like maybe you're secure, but you have some health problems that are unsolvable by doctors and money, and all of a sudden that money is pretty much useless. Now, I know most of you guys would probably say, like, you know what, TJ, I would... I would never serve money. Like, there's no way that I would ever serve money. And, I, and I, would, I would challenge you, if you ever went out and bought something to impress people that you don't even like, then you're probably serving money. Like, you couldn't afford that thing, but you wanted to impress some people that you don't even like to make yourself look good to some people that don't even matter in your life. You're probably serving money. If you've ever gone to Disney World and they said, like, children under 12 get in for a lower price and your 16-year-old who has a full beard, you call them an 11-year-old and you're trying to save a dollar or two, 
I would, I would say to you, you probably serve money. I would say to you, adults, if you're out there working and working and working, trying to provide more than enough for your family, and you're ignoring your family in order to get more dollars in the bank to make you feel a little bit secure, I would submit to you that you probably serve money. And what's happening is, is that it's a false God. It's promising what only God can provide in your life. It's promising you all those things that only come through Jesus Christ. And since we're rich and we need to acknowledge that we're rich, we need to be good at being rich with all the things that God has provided to us. And, and we started with this key verse last week. It is the Apostle Paul. He's talking to his protege, Timothy, and he's talking to him like, how do I help people to be good at being rich? And he says this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. He says, command those who are rich, and that's every single one of us. He said, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. He said, listen, 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 don't put, your, don't put your, your, your worth and your hope and all those things in your ability to do things. And, and here's the part we're going to focus on. He says, nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put our hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He says, tell those rich people, don't put your hope in your wealth. Don't put your hope in that. Put your hope in God who richly provides everything that you need. And then verse 18, he says this, command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and to be willing to share. He's saying, listen, don't put your hope in wealth. Don't put it there. It's so uncertain. Put your hope in God. Now, if you were here with us last week, we started off with this key thought that we're going to kind of build upon every week, and it's this. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. That's what we, we started off last week. We all made this declaration that God has blessed every single one of us with more than we need. We're rich. And today we're going to add a little bit to that. We're going to make it a little bit longer, and, and we're going to add this to it. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. And so all together it's going to say, God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. Why don't you all say that with me? I'm rich. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. Okay, now say it with like some attitude, okay? I'm rich. That just sounded awesome. I just, like, from my perspective. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. But the problem is, is that money continues to scream at us. Man, if you get more of me, you'll be happy. Isn't it true? Isn't it true for all of us? We can say those statements, but it's constantly saying, like, if you get more of me, you'll feel significant, you'll feel happy, you'll feel secure, you'll feel worthwhile, you'll have all of these feelings. And what I want to do is I want to drive home a couple of thoughts, and, and I want to give you three thoughts that, that for people who love and trust money that are really some significant problems. And I know some of you guys right now, you're gonna tune me out, and I would challenge you not to do that. I know that this is talking about your stuff, and it's talking about my stuff, and this is challenging to me as, as much as it is challenging to you. And so, people who love and trust money, number one, never have enough. They never have enough. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you guys are satisfied with your income right now? There's like 
three of you, okay, five. Five people are satisfied with your income. Most of you go, no, not really, I, I, I want more income. Like, it'd be nice if my income doubled. How many of y'all would like to have your income doubled? Some of those same people that just said they were satisfied with their income just said, like, I want my income to double down. Which one is it, schizophrenic? Okay, <laughs> All of us, we, we kind of want more, don't we? And, and, so, and Solomon, who is the wisest man that ever lived, he said this, he said, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. If you and I, if we're always wanting more, I can promise you, it doesn't matter how big your stack is, at what point is more going to be enough, it's never going to be enough. Because you're always going to go, man, if it was just a little bit higher. Man, if my income was up 10%, if, if my income was double what it is, then it would be enough. And, and what we fail to realize is that for most of us, most of us have dreamed about having some significant income. And we thought to ourselves, man, if I can just get to this point, then I'll be satisfied. And 10 years later, we're at that point and we're in the same position we were 10 years earlier, but we just make a whole lot more and we still have the same struggles. We still have the same strives. It's because more is never enough. It's never enough. We're constantly wanting more. And, and what happens is, is these riches that are afar off become this illusion that if I can grab them, everything will become secure in my life. And that's exactly what it is. It's an illusion to every single one of us. That's why Jesus called it the deceitfulness of riches. Because it deceives you into thinking that, man, just a little bit more will satisfy everything that I need in life. It's promising something that it can never, ever deliver. I love what Proverbs says in Proverbs 18, 11, and, and I love the imagery here in this verse. It says, the rich, that's, that's you and I. It says, the rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. And they say to myself, man, if I can get enough of this, then I can buy my way out of this. If I can, if I can get enough insurance, then no matter what happens, I'm going to be covered. Like, I'm going to have a good defense. They say they think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. See, it's all in our imagination. We think, man, if I can just stack all this stuff up a little bit more, then, then that's going to protect me. That's going to secure me. That's going to do everything that I need. But the reality is, is it's never going to protect us from everything. It's never going to secure us in every way. It's never going to provide the happiness that we so long for that doesn't really come from happiness. It comes from joy. And if this hasn't gotten personal to you yet, just hold on. Like, we're going to dig in. We're going we're gonna to hit some more buttons because uh, I believe in offending everyone. And so, like, we're a, we're a total offensive church, okay? And so, people who love and trust money, number two, they find it in, increasingly difficult to give big in their life. Because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I think that there's a lot of people here that would love to give big. They would love to, to trust God completely, but what happens is, is they don't feel like they can afford it. I believe that there's a whole bunch of people that say to themselves, man, I would love to worship God and trust him with the first 10% because that's what he asks us to do, and that's my way of showing worship back to him and full trust in him that he is the one who richly provides everything. But I don't think I can afford to do that. I don't think I can, I can do that. And, and you say to yourself, man, you see some 
somebody at a restaurant and you're like, man, I would really love to pay for their meal, but I don't think that I could afford to do that. Or you see somebody that maybe can't make their rent right now and you're like, man, I would love to give big and I would love to help them out right now because I see that they're in need. But you say to yourself, man, I can't afford to give big. And what's interesting is that it's been proven over and over and over again through statistics that the the greatest percentage of people that are the most generous in our country are not the ones with the biggest income. The greatest percentage of givers in our country that give the highest percentage are people that make $12,000 more or or $12,000 or less a year. They give the greatest percentage of their income away. So it's, it's not the idea that, man, if I have more, then I'll, I'll be more generous. The, the reality is, is that statistically they tell us that the more wealthy you are, the less generous you'll become. Because you're constantly thinking, man, if I just have more, then I'll have enough. And so if I give some away, then I won't have more. I'm actually going backwards. And so therefore, we, feel, we fail to, to realize that, man, God has given us all this so that we can be generous, so that we can give big so that we can live a life that honors God so that we can be good at being rich rather than being stingy and and holding it all for ourselves and thinking that this is all for us in fact Jesus didn't really care that much about the amount he cared more about our hearts and the percentage that we gave that's why he told a story uh, of a widow who came into the temple who went and she was with all of these wealthy people and Pharisees and religious leaders of the law and they were all giving their gifts and this woman walked up and gave two coins. They called them mites at the time and they said, this is pretty much worthless and Jesus looked at her and said, man, this woman has given it all. Like she's given the most. It wasn't the amount, it was the percentage of what she gave. She gave with everything because she knew that, man, she wanted to love and adore and value where God was in her life. And she wasn't trusting in her stack. She was trusting in him who richly provides. This hit me a couple years ago pretty hard. We were, uh, I was in a season where God was challenging me on some things when it, when it came to my stack, and I, and I hate it when he talks about my stuff. I, I, I don't like it. I don't enjoy it, probably like anyone else, you know, when God's like, oh, that's really important to you, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, it really is. He's like, well, I want that, and uh, that's never a conversation I really enjoy, and, and God was challenging me personally on, on something that I was, I was holding on to that I found a lot of security. I found a lot of value. I found a lot of significance in it, and uh, and a, a guy that was in our church at the time called me up and said, hey, can I have, I have some coffee with you? And I was like, sure, man. And uh, this guy was volunteering. He's doing all kinds of stuff around the church. And he happened to be a security guard, you know, just working a, an evening shift kind of job, making minimum wage. And this guy sat down, and he was telling me about uh, his dreams that he had. And I was like, man, that's so awesome. He, he loved videography, and he had, like, this really, really nice camera rig and stuff that he was working towards eventually going into business for himself. That was his ultimate goal or, or to end up in ministry doing all this stuff. And, and so he's sharing all these things with me, and I'm like, dude, that's awesome. And then he looks me straight in the eye, and he says, that is my dream, but my dream to know God is bigger. And God has challenged me with, will I trust him with everything? And I was like, man, that's, that's awesome. And, he, and so he took out of his pocket a check, and he said, I just sold all of my equipment and here it is, I'm giving it to God. And uh, like I just started crying. 
started crying because here's a guy who virtually had nothing. But what he did have, he took and he gave it all to God. And I was so moved, I, I looked at him and I said, man, dude, you just challenged me so much in my heart. I've been trying to convince God that he doesn't want this part of my life that I find so significant. He doesn't want this aspect that I want to keep for myself. But because of your radical generosity, I'm going to follow suit. And I went out, and, and, and honestly, I'll tell you what I did. I, I had a Jeep that was the only thing that my wife and I had paid for at the time. And we went and sold it, and we gave it all away. And, uh, and it challenged us to go, you know what, if this guy who has nothing is willing to give it all to Jesus, man, I'm not gonna hold anything back from Jesus. I'm gonna give big too because I'm not gonna be outgiven by some dude that has a minimum wage job who's willing to trust God with everything and I'm supposed to say I'm a Christ follower and I'm not gonna do the same thing. Like that's a challenging message to me. And for a lot of us, what we tend to do is we start to say, like, listen, I'll give when. I'll give when the credit cards are paid off. I'll give when I get out of school. I'll give when it's convenient. I'll give when I have more than enough, and then I'll give God some of that. And God's saying, no, 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 no. You don't give when you have it all put together. You give when you, I ask you to give. You give and you trust me. And let me tell you something, church. We're not going to be a church that is going to hold on to everything that we got. We're going to be a church that is generous, that is good at being rich, and we're going to give thousands thousands of dollars away every single month to go plant more churches. We're going to go and we're going to go out to the community and we're going to serve families and we're going to serve kids and we're going to give away resources and we're going to launch you guys into ministry and we're going to give it all away because we're going to be a church that is good at being rich. Yeah, that's a good time for you to clap right there. We're going to live generously and we're going to give big and we're going to trust God for big things because we're not gonna get stuck at hoping that we can gather enough that will be significant. We're just gonna go out and we're gonna trust God no matter what and we're gonna give big. And the problem with all the stuff that we think is so important is that it's constantly saying, hey, it's all about me. When Jesus is saying, hey, who's it really all about? What's your life really all about? third problem that some of us have is that you may have money in the bank but you have no peace in your heart you may have money in the bank but you have no peace in your heart and I know some of you guys would say well technically TJ I don't have any money in the bank but you get what I'm saying like you have toys in the garage you have food in the pantry you have a house to go home to you have a car to drive in like you're doing pretty well in life. You're blessed. And you can have all of that stuff and have no peace in your heart. And some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about because you have lots of stuff, but your world is filled with anxiousness and stress continually. So why Solomon said something pretty profound, and it's, a, it's an important principle that we get. You might not believe it, but, but I believe it to be 100% true. In Proverbs 15, 16, he said, Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. He's saying better a little bit with a lot of God than having a lot of stuff and just a little bit of God. And most people, most people don't really believe that. But I'll tell you something. I have some, some friends who 
do some really, really big time wealth management where they're managing wealth for people that have just extraordinary amounts of money. And, and I was sitting down with a, a couple of them uh, a couple of months ago and I was talking to them about this and I would just started interviewing them. I was, I was like, what's it like for these people that have extreme amounts of money? They're like, man, it is so difficult to have extreme amounts of money. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, right. Like, I would like to have those difficult problems. You know what I'm saying? Like, anybody else out there? Like, I'd like to have some big money problems. And, and, and so we're talking, and they're talking about, like, they're always having people come to them. They're always having ideas presented to them. They're always having all of this stuff. And so I just turned to one of them, and I said, hey, John, if you could have that kind of wealth, would you take it? And he looked me straight in the eye. He said, there's no way in the world I would ever want their kind of problems. I would not take what they have in a minute. Now, I know some of you are like, well, I'll take some of that. Let me experience their problems. But the great theologian, Notorious B.I.G., Mo Money, Mo Problems. Because he understood. Better a little with God than a lot without him. We live in a day and an age where money distracts us from so many things and it's so hard especially for these next generations that are coming up I mean there's significant challenges that are out there and we might not be a billionaire or we might not be a millionaire but we're still rich and when we continue to put our hope in the tickets of life whether it's this or it's this or it's this It gets us way off track in what matters most in life. And let me just say this as lovingly as I can. Most of you guys have more money than you ever dreamed you would have. When you were growing up, you thought that, man, if I could just get to this level, that would be enough. And most of you, 10 years later, you're twice that level. And it should be more than enough. The problem is, is that you've consumed everything that God has blessed you with. And you're strapped because you haven't learned that you're blessed to be a blessing. And that God has given you more than you need so that you would be good at being rich, not so that you would be selfish for life. And then you see people that make a third of what you make and they're not living with the stress and they're not living with the pain and they're not living with the agony that you're living with every day because they've figured out that there's a better way to live than living on the edge. And some of you guys today, you need to learn that, that just because you have more doesn't mean that it's so you can consume it on yourself. You have more because God wants you to do something significant with your life he wants to use your life to impact other people he wants you to stop believing that more money will solve your problems 
More money will not solve most of your problems. What will solve most of your problems is more of Jesus. More money is not going to fix your marriage. More money is not going to transform your kid when they're on drugs. More money isn't going to, to change where you're going to go and what you're going to do in life when it comes to the plan of God. What's going to change and transform your life is more Jesus. It's when we get to the point where we say, listen, God, I'm content with what I have. God, what I really want is more of you. I need your presence. I need your power. I need your health. I need your kindness. I need your grace. I need more of you and less of everything else. God, all I want in this life is more of you. God, in everything you've given me, I just want to use it for your glory, for your honor. God, I'm not going to give later. I'm going to give now because I want you. And I want to challenge us as a church. I want to challenge us to give big and trust God. And I'm not saying give big here. Listen, I don't care where you give. Go into the phone book and pick out some churches. Go into the phone book and pick out some places. I believe it's important to trust God. You want some good churches to give to? Uh, church by the Glades is a great church. Go ahead and write them a check. Go ahead and write Potential Church a check. Go ahead and write Victory Church in Boca a check. Great, great churches. Go write First United Methodist of Coral Springs a, a check. Great churches that are doing significant things in our community. I don't really care where you give it to. I don't want you to miss out on the opportunity to trust and believe God and put your, your trust and your significance and everything you have into where he is. I'm tired of us missing out on a very thing that is the, the forefront of everything. He said, Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and money. It's our time to choose. See, we're not going to serve money. Money is neutral in life. Money is a tool that we use from God to serve God. And today, I believe that church, we have got to be good at being rich because money is going to serve us as we serve our Heavenly Father, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but instead put their hope in God who richly provides us with every blessing and everything that we need. Therefore, man, we're not gonna trust in our riches. We're gonna trust in the one who richly provides everything that we need. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you today and we thank you that by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, you're gonna teach each and every one of us to be rich, God. That we're gonna honor you with all that you have given us. God, and I pray that today as we look at our lives, some of us are gonna see ourselves in this message. God, we're gonna see ourselves that, man, we've put our hope in a lot of different things in, and we realize that, man, no matter how much we get, there's never going to be enough because money's gonna always tell us we need just a little bit more. And some of us, man, God, you're challenging us to, to give big. And some of us, you're, you're challenging us because we have a lot, but yet we have no peace in our lives. And, and my prayer is that every single one of us, that we would say, God, I want more of you above all else. Because things and riches and wealth are not gonna solve my problems in life. What's going to solve the problems that I have in life is more of in my life. 
And so, God, I pray that every single one of us, God, that we would run diligently after you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind and all of our strength, that we would not look back, that we would not look to the left or to the right or behind us, but we'd look straight ahead to you, the author and perfecter of our life. God, and we wouldn't trust in a lot of different other things, but we trust solely and completely in you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.